gentlemen. You're locked into JJ and Alex. With the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5 DKSL Sports. Thanks for being with us. Oh, we've got tons to do. It's a Friday. You know what the rule is on a Friday? We have to have as much fun as possible. We just, we have to care the least amount possible. I'm already there. (laughs) (laughs) Man, what's it going to be like at 5 o'clock? Look out. Whoa. Tune in for that. Uh, that's why we bring experts on on Fridays in particular, just so we, we can have really somebody lean else on the experts because we're, oh, yeah. we're not capable on no. a Friday. Come on, why would I want to? It's a Friday. Matt Brown, he's joined, just joining us on the program right now. Matt's joined us uh, on many occasions. Extra Points newsletters, where you can find it. ExtraPointsMB.com is the website. Matt, thanks for being with us, man. Uh, we hope you're taking Friday as easy as we are. You know, I, I, you are my last call, I think, of the day. And oh, I'm going to try to put things on Do Not Disturb because, yes. boy. This has been a much busier week than mid-February typically is for me. Not that I'm complaining, uh, it's, but, but it's, there's been a lot going on for sure on this beat. So obviously the big one and the thing that – we'll just get right to the, to the video game. And, and Of course. Think about Ed O'Bannon, like all those years ago and the decision to be like, you know what, I'm going to ask somebody about this because I shouldn't be in this game and do it for free. I mean, come on. To imagine that the Ed O'Bannon court decision has put us where we are now, which is uh, Nick Saban saying that college football, as we know it, is not even doesn't even exist anymore, and we're finally getting EA Sports to come back online because they've been able to negotiate with players to figure this out. It's a lot to do across 130 something teams and 80 something guys to try to pay all those dudes so that they can actually get another video game. How do they make it work? Yeah, it's it is an enormous logistical undertaking. Um, you know, just, just, to, just to be clear, like what, what EA has put out this week is they want to offer this group licensing deal to every FBS, excuse me, every eligible FBS football player, just a handful of little exceptions, um, and then include 85 of them per team. So that's, uh, that's over uh, 11,000 college athletes. The way that this is actually going to happen is that those athletes will need to download an app called Compass, which is uh, owned by CLC, the Collegiate Licensing Group, and uh, formally opt into this deal. And then when they do, once they do that and they put in their bank information and they, they sign all the contracts and everything, they'll get a check later in the summer and they'll get a digital download uh, for the console of their choice uh, for the game right before it's formally released to, to everybody. Um, you know, just yesterday, uh, there was a DP for EA Sports who said they've already had 5,000 people sign the, sign the contract, which is, you know, that's not quite half, but that's, that's a lot. Um, what I have been hearing is I think many fans underestimate how difficult it's going to be to get a bunch of 20-year-olds to sign literally anything on time. There's going to be a lot of operations personnel and associate athletic directors for external relations and the Dobo equivalent for football 
following up and just browbeating kids <laughs> to sign this thing so they don't just get an army of people in May crying that they missed the deadline. Um, there's just going to be a lot to remind people to do this very simple thing to get in the game. Still plenty of those kind of details that need to be worked out, but the great news, Matt, is the game is back. And those who love the game can't wait to play it. What do you know about the game? What are the details? What can people expect when it comes out? Yeah, you know, one of the things that's really just been kind of beaten into my head in every conversation I've had with EA, both on the PR side and with the developers themselves, is that EA badly wants to make a game that is as realistic as possible to what college sports is or college football is right now. Uh, And that means it's going to fundamentally be a different game than the last one that you played back in 2014 because college football itself has changed in so many ways. Uh, One of those, of course, is how recruiting works, right? The last game, transfers almost never happened. NIL didn't exist. There was one national signing day instead of two. There were signing limits that don't exist now. So that system has to be completely rebuilt, and I'm told that that it is uh, for this coming game. But EA has also spent a ton of time and a lot of money in trying to get everything about every single FBS program that makes it unique and special so that they can uh, replicate those and depict it in the actual game. So by that, I mean we're talking completely new stadium renderings. Every school has sent in hundreds of photographs from every possible angle uh, of inside and outside the stadium to make sure that's now in all the beautiful PlayStation 5 glory. But then you know, details like what, what, what sound effects do you play on third down? Uh, what, hel- what helmets did you guys wear in the 80s? So we can put that in as, 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 a, as, a, as an option for people to wear, right? What, uh, what chants do your student sections do that are not R-rated that we can put in a family <laughs> game? Um, right? Because we want to put all of those things in there because the developers want you to think and realize that playing a home game at Utah State and at BYU and at Utah should all feel fundamentally different because there's unique things about all three of those places. Uh, and that's what I've been writing about for the last two years. Like the level of detail on that mm. front is is quite significant. Yeah, I was going to, I, you know, I think about the different iterations of how, oh, yeah, we're going to get this thing fired back up again. And then the false start, it doesn't happen. Oh, no, now we're going to get it going. For 24, you're going to see it. Nope, it doesn't get going. Where is, like, honestly, 600 bucks a kid, like, that's, is that, do people look at that and say, that's a great deal? Or do they look at that? I know 500 was thrown around there. 600 yeah. and then downloading the game where there are people who are like, no, I want 6,000, man. I have never heard that from an active player. Um, and in fact, what I've heard like personally and, and, and from talking to many athletes, many of them have said, dog, I pay 600 bucks to be in this game. Like this is this, to me, this is what NIL was all about. This is what I wanted. I'm very happy. I have the truck. I'm not going to give the truck back. I, I, I wanted the big check, and I, but, but this is the thing that, that I wanted as a high schooler, right? Um, you do have many agents and many economists and athlete advocates who are, are saying this is a terrible deal. And, there's, and I think there's, there's two bits of misconception about, about the, the contract itself that I think would be helpful for everybody to, to really understand. One of those things here is that, yeah, 600 bucks is a lot less than what athletes make from Madden or NBA 2K or even the NHL and baseball games, which uh, are going to sell in comparable numbers, I think, to this college football game. The reasons for that are there's a hell of a lot fewer than 11,000 people in those games and that those games were negotiated by unions. 
um, which was not the case for college athletes because as of now, I mean, we'll see if this changes by the time I get off the phone with you, but as of now, college football players are employees, so, so they can't unionize, and the licensing agent was selected by EA, not the players themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course, you're, going to, you're not going to get the same deal as Madden. It wasn't negotiated the same way, and there's four times as many people in, in this game. The other thing that I think is sometimes shocking for fans to hear, so it might be shocking to hear to, for me to say this in this market, nobody really knows how financially successful this game is going to be. In the last couple of, of games, it, it, when we had a college football game, you know, in 12, 13, 14, you know, I've had people at EA tell me that Madden sold four times as many copies right. uh, as the college football game. Um, and, and, in fact, like financial analysts and people that like track EA stock for a living have told me that they expect the revenue gap to even be greater now because Madden does a really good job of driving extra revenue through Ultimate Team and through, and through digital downloads in a fashion that's unlikely to be the case in college football. So if you have, if you're EA and you're you know you're thinking that this might this game might do 110 million in in gross revenue and you've got to pay six and a half million to the athletes, another million and change to the group licensing partners, then you've got to pay to license the schools, pay to license the bowls, pay to license the college football playoff, pay to license this other IP, this stuff adds up. Um, so if you are looking at what Grand Theft Auto 5 did or what the last Madden game did and said, I, this game's going to make $900 million. Why, why, you know, why is the player pool this small? I would say, no, it's not. <laughs> and if it is, then you'll have another deal, uh, particularly if athletes negotiate things, uh, you know, organize before that. So the vast majority of athletes are going to opt into this. Um, it, when you hear pushback, it's generally not coming from players. But there's some confusion, I think, on both sides about what you can really compare this deal to and and why it is the way that it is. Can't wait to see the game. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to sell like crazy. Can't wait to see who's on the cover, all that stuff. Uh, it's just the latest in this NIL development in college football, Matt, and I know you yeah. follow it so closely. There's other stories today regarding NIL, and we'll hit those now, starting with Nick Saban kind of ripping NIL again. He's, he continues to double down on this, saying, quote, in an interview, he did, quote, we have, what we have now is not college football. The question I want to pose to you is, is college football better or worse today than it was 10 years ago when apparently college football was the way Nick Saban liked it? I mean, it's better for players, for sure. Uh, you know, the, it's, I, I, I get a little bit frustrated, not just at people like Nick Saban, but I, I think for a lot of, of commentators who pretend – that college football was ever really you know, followed this amateur ideal. I mean, guys, we've been cheating and, and dropping bags yep. since Princeton was good at football, since 1904, right? Like, like it's, that's always, it's always been the case. What's different is now the stuff's more in the open and that the, the players can have agents and they have, they have a modicum of more control, which is, which is uncomfortable. It, it's not a great system for coaches. And I think less, I mean, for people like Nick Saban and people like Jeff Halfley, who just left Boston College, and a lot of these other coaches who have had experience in the NFL, you look at what college football is now with even deeper frustration because you know that things are a lot easier if you have a collective bargaining agreement, that things are a lot easier if you have, if you have a union and you have predictability in, in, in labor and, 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 player, and player movement and everything. We don't have that in college. Different if you're a guy like Dabo where this is the only world that you've ever known, and, and you know, those changes are, are significant. I, 
this is not the world that I think we should stay in. It's a world that has significant moral and organizational and logistical problems. But I deeply believe that it's still a world that is more fair to more people than what we had in, you know, 2012. So we're, I mean, aside from the Nick Saban comments, obviously you had the, I don't know, this is this is from today also, the, the, the ruling of the NCAA uh, versus uh, Virginia and Tennessee. And Tennessee and Virginia both got that r- ruling in their favor. The NCAA cannot win a court case, it seems like. And they said, well, we're just going to go to Congress and figure this thing out. Where is the future of the NCAA when it comes to JJ and I just watching these games on television in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the deeply frustrating thing for college sports administrators. And when I, I say, I say administrators, I'm not just talking about Charlie Baker and the NCAA in Indianapolis. I'm talking about, you know, the, the ADs and presidents and the big 12 and, and Brett Yormark and everybody in this world, you guys are fundamentally no longer in charge. Um, you can come up with whatever kind of working groups you want between conferences, and you can have transformation committee part three, electric boogaloo or whatever, and, and, and it's good to continue to, to have conversations about revenue sharing and governance reform. But fundamentally, the organization that's really going to decide where college sports goes next is the court system, because it's the court system that's going to determine who is going to be considered an employee. Well, is that going to just be football and basketball players and select conferences? Is it going to be similar to what we saw in the last Dartmouth men's basketball NLRB ruling, a potentially dramatically more expansive definition of employee? Uh, We'll see what happens with Johnson, uh, which should be decided later this year. And if if those are employees, if Utah gymnasts and Utah State, you know, volleyball players and, and Weber, you know, track stars are all employees, none of this stuff matters. Rip up every media rights uh, contract, rip up the NCAA, rip up the Mountain West Conference and the Big 12, and you're starting completely from scratch. And that's, I think, both frustrating and scary because that means that the people who are in charge don't fundamentally understand this industry or understand the unintended consequences for some of those decisions. But that's where we are now. Yeah, Matt, no I don't think anyone's going to feel sorry for the NCAA, though, here. Um, and here's the, here's the uh, statement they put out today. After the ruling, quote, turning upside down rules overwhelmingly supported by member schools will aggravate an already chaotic collegiate environment, further diminishing protections for student athletes from exploitation. I find that rich because the NCAA has been exploiting student athletes (laughs) for decades. It doesn't look like this is a big deal. This case is a big deal today, and it doesn't look like the NCAA has any chance of winning a case moving forward. Yeah, I, well, it's, uh, when it comes to antitrust, probably not. And, and it's significant, too, because this was filed, I think, in a district that has historically been pretty pro-NCAA, right? You, people can't blame this on, you know, woke Northeastern activist judges. Like, man, you're lost <laughs> in Eastern Tennessee, dude. There's, 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 there's Trump judges that we don't know where they were in early January that are looking at this and thinking, oh, my God, we gotta, we got we to gotta let these guys unionize. Like, that's how ridiculous <laughs> – this, this system is. I don't think the Tennessee-Virginia situation is completely finished yet. I obviously need time to make more phone calls about it. It broke late this afternoon. Um, I, I imagine there's going to be some continued appeals as, as that moves through. But, yes, uh, the, the current status quo about enforcing anything to do with NIL is on legal thin ice. Um, and then you have the employment situation, the idea of classifying athletes as non-employees. Nobody in the industry thinks that's sustainable. 
they might not necessarily say it in public, but if you get an AD at a Power 5 or, I guess, you know, Power 4 institution, you catch him at the hotel bar after NACTA, you turn off your microphone and you ask him, they're going to tell you, yeah, they're going to be employees in two years. Uh, and then you have the House case, which might mm. bankrupt the NCAA to begin with. So, yeah, we're, we're on the precipice of something very different sooner than I think a lot of fans understand. Matt Brown, you can find him, of course. Uh, just head over to his website. He does a phenomenal job covering the business side of sports as long as, as, as and as well as just uh, knowing top to bottom uh, the collegiate athlete, uh, what they're going through. And uh, extrapointsmb.com is the website, extrapointsmb.com. Matt, we appreciate it as always. We appreciate the breakdown. Thanks for making us your last call today. Dude, this is your weekend, so have fun. <laughs> I enjoy it. You, you, yeah, you bet. Th- th- thanks for having me on, friends. You know, hopefully, hopefully next time we talk, it's, it's, le- it's more about the video game and less about college sports apocalypse. Right? Hey, like, listen, I, I know that right. that's we'll just not do a always full, the most fun thing. Let's uh, just stream. Yeah. Let's just get you on, and we'll do a full-on. I've got a headset on. JJ's got one on. We'll just play a few quarters together with you. That's, that's what we'll do next when, time. When, when this game comes out, I don't think I'm doing any actual reporting work for two weeks. <laughs> I'm just going to do this in markets across the country. I'm like, honey, this is work. Oh yeah, like, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you guys. Yeah. Right? Um, no, we just. I was, well, telling, I was telling Twitch streamer. I was telling J, I was telling JJ this yesterday because I the last time I bought a a version of the game was when I was in college, and it was the two thousand. Oh, yeah. It was the two thousand five Larry Fitzgerald cover. And that was the last time I actually uh, bought yeah. the game. So I'm excited <laughs> for 20 years on to buy the new one. It's and time. My kids are excited for it. So that's where we're at now. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope you play your children, and I hope you throw them into a garbage can, as is your sacred right as a father. <laughs> no mercy <Absolutely. laughs> in Mario Kart or football. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. You I bet. appreciate right. you guys. Thanks, you Matt. Go. Matt Brown. Uh, I actually have, I started losing at Mario Kart a few years ago, and it's – I can't get it back. That's humbling. I can't get it back. I don't have the time to be able to get it back. But I'm going to start tonight. All right? We'll take a break. We'll come back after we return. This is a fun one, too. This is a, an exclusive we have not played yet. Uh, and TV is going to play it this weekend because J.J. had to sit down with uh, – now, this is really cool, too, because if you were to if you were to sit down and ask J.J., two months ago who the best college player was three months ago who the best college player in the entire state was and we did it's dylan jones back then and it's dylan jones now we'll hear that interview coming up uh jj got to sit down with the weaver state star stay with us 97.5 the ksl sports zone your home for the best coverage of the jazz utes and cougars is right here on the zone this is jj and alex presented by g2g bars on 97.5 the ksl sports zone All right, welcome back, everybody. It is 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Thanks for being with us on the program. Jeremiah Jensen, Alex Curie. Together, we are JJ and Alex. Thanks for being with us. Uh, pretty cool opportunity this week for you, JJ. This is a story that gets a little bit, I, I would say, put on the back burner because of all the attention that the big programs in the state have gotten this year because of how good they've ended up being. 
But the best player in the state of Utah in collegiate, in collegiate basketball is not at Utah, Utah State, or BYU. No, he's not. He's at Weber State, and it's Dylan Jones. Uh, and if you're questioning that, well, ask the NBA scouts. Uh, he's already on the NBA radar, spent time at the G League and NBA Combine last summer. We'll talk about that in the interview. But uh, he's well on his track. Wait, and, and people here are fortunate that he came back, and you're running out of chances to go see Dylan Jones play while he's still at Weber State. Um, if you miss Damian Lillard play, don't make the same mistake with Dylan Jones. Go check out the last couple of home games that the Wildcats have. Uh, special player and even better human being. You'll be blown away by how mature he is, his perspective on everything. He's really, really a fascinating young man, and Weber State fans should be really proud. And the entire state should be proud. Uh, set it up for us. I know you got to sit down for a few minutes. Yeah, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, the season going on, their ups and downs they've been through. Whether you know the opportunities he had to leave during the offseason and uh, his relationship with Damian Lillard, which is pretty cool. But I started out by asking him, how does somebody from Columbia, South Carolina, end up in Ogden at Weber State? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a crazy story. Um, you know, I went my I did my senior year in, in uh, Sunrise Christian Academy in Wichita, Kansas, and um, you know I played that year. Um, you know, I had a lot of offers early on at uh, where I'm from in South Carolina. But a lot of those schools, for whatever reason, stopped recruiting me, maybe because a lot of them was like East Coast offers and things like that. So that I guess they thought they couldn't get me or whatever. And, um, yeah, then on top of that, COVID happened. And, um, you know, I played that year basically with no offers and stuff. And then, you know, COVID happened and everything went virtual. And, um, you know, recruiting became way, I guess, more easier because you could just talk to people and it wasn't really visits. And, um, you know, I got a call from Coach Daniels, and he just told me that, you know, Weber was interested. And, um, you know, from there I did my research about the program and things, and I was like, you know, this is a pretty good program, you know, because obviously being where I'm from, I've never heard of it, honestly. Even, you know, with Dane being from here, I've never really heard of it. So after I did my research, I thought it was a pretty big-time program and, you know, had to weigh in options. You know, it was a tough decision, but I chose here. That turned out to be a great decision. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it did. I think everything happened how I was supposed to. Um, you know, my brother um, knew coach Jorge Ruiz for like a while, even before. And it was just funny how everything like originated. You know, it's, it's always cool to just think back on how everything has went. It's almost like it's supposed to happen. What does it mean to be a part of this great basketball tradition at Weber State? We see the greats on the wall behind you. And of course, that includes Damian Lillard. I think it means a lot. Um, you know, I think for somebody like me um, who has values, I think in the right things, um, I think it means a lot. You know, I think if I valued other things like, um, I guess, more fame and fortune and things like that, it wouldn't mean so much. But I think um, the substance in that is, you know, being at a place where you can always call home, you can always go back to and um, always be remembered for not only the things you've done on the court but also off. So um, I think it's a big-time thing to be a part of the tradition here. Um, obviously here, you know, there's a long line of guys that have set forth that tradition for me to reach. Um, and, yeah, I think that's what's big time about it. You know, if it was maybe like a guy or two, you know, it's just not so much of an important thing, you know. But being that so many guys have had not only successful careers, but been successful people from here, um, I think it means that much more. How much time have you been able to spend with Dame? Uh, I've spent quite a, uh, I think quite a bit of time, at least for what his schedule presents. Um, you know, I've gone to his camp before. Uh, we've talked you know, through text or whatever and things like that. So I'll say we spent quite a, a, quite a bit of time together. How much has that relationship helped you? 
Uh, it's helped me a lot. I think, you know, for somebody like me that's striving to get to the highest level, um, and I can always have a resource like that to always reach back and um, not only show me some steps, but give me pointers along the way, um, even to the fact that, you know, he can, you know, tell me things that he's even hearing. You know, I think like, earlier this year, he's, he texted me earlier and was like, you know, he's hearing great things from scouts, you know, just little things like that um, for people that have the access and that information. Being that he came from here is important to me in my position. You're wearing a shirt today that says, stay the course. What's the meaning behind that shirt? Yeah, this is uh, actually, so, so I want to say part of why I came here too, but so uh, my brother's, um, my brother's name is Eric Washington, and um, his best friend is Tyrell Corbin. And um, his dad was the head coach of the Jazz at the Sloan, uh, Tyrone Corbin. And, um, you know, Tyrell actually played state championship here. And um, I'm not saying he had familiarity with the coaching staff and stuff, but, um, you know, he signed off on Utah basically for me. You know, he was like, you know, yeah, I think it'd be a good place for you, stuff like that, because he had been out here in this uh, vicinity and stuff. And also he knew the assistant at the time on the women's staff, Nate. Uh, Nate and, um, and they were friends as well. And he told me, you know, Coach Ray, good people, he's solid, whatever they're telling you, you can believe him. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I didn't even plan that, but um, yeah, Tyrell, this is his brand, actually, his shirt brand. He's stayed of course, and um, you know, it's, it's his brand, and this is his shirt, so I'm just supporting him. Um, but yeah, it's actually funny, because he's kind of one of the reasons why I came here, too, because that, that was Utah ties I had as well here, you know, being that uh, Corbin, Corbin then was in Utah. Also, even uh, Jarrell Brantley, a lot of people don't know that as well, but like, you know, Jarrell Brantley, who got drafted by Utah, he's from Columbia. Like, I grew up, like him and, he grew up watching my brother, and I grew up watching him, and he came out here, and it was like, I knew that if anything went wrong, I could, you know, I technically had family here, you know, in a way. It was crazy how it all worked, but yeah, it was. Your brother, Eric Washington, played at Miami, Ohio, now playing overseas professionally. How much has he helped prepare you for all of this success and all the experiences you're currently having right now? Yeah, it's been, I mean, big time. Like, I wouldn't, I, I can sit up here and say, like, I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for him. Just because, you know, the walk that he's walked, um, it's made my decision-making process, the things that I've done, just way easier. Just because, you know, I'm not saying I, he's made mistakes, but just the steps that he's taken, I've been able to just learn from it. You know, again, experience is the best teacher. So, for me, it was just easier to go from the knowledge he's gave me, the things that he's told me, um, how to move about certain things, the business aspect of basketball, you know, something that I never would have thought I'd been a part of, but he's been through it. Um, you know, I think that's been the most instrumental part in my career, you know, because, you know, for somebody like me and just around the world, college basketball, the people don't understand the situations are very fragile. Like they're like, you can be a good player here and be a average player here is that, is that small of a line. And, you know, for somebody like him, you know, decision-making processes is really important. And I think that's been the biggest part of my career is my decision-making. And part of that's because of him and what he's been through. Last summer, you had a great experience at the G League and NBA Combines. It put you on the map. NBA scouts and execs were impressed. What impact did that experience have on you? I think uh, the main thing it did for me was um, gave me the platform, first of all, to show that I can, you know, play against higher-level competition and players. Um, I think that was the most important thing it did. Um, I think I've always had that belief in myself, but I think for the world, that was important for them to see that I could belong there and not only be a player, but be a good player and, um, you know, actually impact the game in so many ways. 
So I think that was the most important thing it did for me. Um, obviously, I was able to showcase my talents. Um, I was able to, you know, I guess prove to myself that I belong in an atmosphere like that and um, that I belong ultimately. You know what? You might have been drafted last year, but you decided to return to Weber State for one more year. Why did you make that decision? Uh, I think uh, most importantly, um, I think that when it came down to the process, the decision-making was, um, I guess, what would I be giving up versus getting? And um, I didn't think that what I guess was on the table or what could have been possible uh, was worth giving up what I had here. Um, I did firmly believe that with how I came on the scene that if I go back and put together another year like I confidently know I can, and um, you know, God's willing, everything goes how it's supposed to with no injuries and things. But um, if I just you know had that confidence that I could do it again with the attention that I had garnered, with people knowing who I was, I think I could. I think I thought I could put together an even stronger body of work, uh, show another level of jump and improvement, and which I have done. And um, I think that was most important. I think people, as it was going, it was so exciting because it was happening so fast. But um, in those times, you got to kind of be the one that just you know kind of looks at things from a bird's eye view and like look down on it and you know actually make a real calculated decision. And um, like you say, it was very possible that I could have, you know, been in wherever now, but I think it was the smartest decision for me. Um, I think it's paid off. It's been a wild ride this season. Great wins, head-scratching losses. You lose four or five in conference and then run off six straight wins. How would you describe this season? And it's been crazy. Like you said, we've had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, but I think, at least for me personally, it's, it's been the best thing that's probably I could have got out of this year. You know, I think if we would have just rolled through the season with flying colors, you know, I think I would have, wouldn't have been faced with much. Um, I think for someone that's trying to go where I'm trying to go, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be things like that. And, um, yeah, I think I'm more proud of how this year went than any other year because when the chips were down, not only against me, but against my team and everyone here, the coaches and, you know, going to expectations and things, when the chips were down, we really um, found a way when no one else thought we really could to, you know, turn our season around and get back on the right track. And um, just to have that perspective, man, uh, it's been a crazy year, but, you know, I wouldn't want it any other way, in all honesty. Now you guys have rolled up your sleeves, gone to work, and now it's paying off. Incredible comeback win at Idaho and a huge win at Eastern Washington. What did you learn about the team on that trip? I think we was already on the right track. Um, I think that definitely, I guess, was the loudest win of it all. But I think we've been trending in the right direction. And, you know, when everything was at its low points, you know, the perspective you got to have is, you know, you want to be, as the season's going, you want to be going upward, you know. And I think that win itself just shows where we're going as a team on the trajectory going up. And I think that's what's most important. You know, I, I think we have the talent to compete with anybody, like, in the country, if you ask me. You know, this is the belief I have in people and my teammates. But, um, you know, I just think that that's what it did for us. You know, I think we knew we could win the game. Now, to go out there and do it is a whole other thing. And we were, we were, we had to be men to go in there in that environment with everything they had on the line and, you know, be up as much as 17. Like, that wasn't, it wasn't easy. But, you know, we got the talent to do it. We got the players to do it. We got the coaching staff to give us the right plan. So, you know, I think it, it just put us continuing to go in that right pace and trajectory. So how has all of that prepared you for what matters most? We all know it comes down to the Big Sky Tournament and hopefully an NCAA Tournament appearance. Obviously, before even the Eastern Washington game, the, even the Idaho game, down seven with a minute and 10 seconds to go, you know, just 
somehow finding a way to win that game. I think it's just more about finding ways to win. You know, I think when it goes to the tournament, you know, you can think this script is how it's supposed to look, but you never know how it will. And I think this year we've shown, even in this little patch we've been through, is like finding ways to win in a multitude of ways, you know. Um, but also I think most importantly is like finding our identity as a team defensively, um, setting that, that tone and presence of us as a team, and that's what's going to win us games. How much have you enjoyed life in Ogden? Uh, I've enjoyed it. You know, I think uh, for somebody like me who's not really into, like, the, I guess the high life, uh, I yeah. think it's the perfect city for me. Um, I think everything here kind of moves at, you know, my pace, and I think that's uh, what's big time. You know, I think um, when you got somewhere, even like Salt Lake, where it's accessible to, you know, if you want to live that life, you can go up there and, you know, have that. But for somewhere like Ogden, man, it's been great. You know, I think the community's been great. Um, I'll go to the neighborhood Smiths and see people and talk to them and things like that. Um, even as much as having a membership at the Ogden Athletic Club and, you know, being in a sauna and people being like, oh, like, you know, I was at the game and stuff like that. So uh, the community and everything like that from that perspective has been good. And um, I couldn't ask for a better city, at least to be here and focus on school and basketball. It's definitely did everything for me that I needed. Your story isn't written yet, but how do you want to be remembered when your time as a Wildcat is done? Uh, I want to be remembered as um, a player that, you know, in an era where social media is big and NIL is such a big thing and whatever, I want to be someone that's been remembered as somebody that no matter anything that I was maybe pressured with from the outside, um, public, whatever, you know, I kind of stood on what I believed in through the whole time when I came into college and I didn't waver that at all, you know. When I came in, I said I want to be a part of a program where I can be successful, the team can be successful, um, and I can have a chance to be a pro, you know. Once those things was presented to me, I didn't go back on that word and was like, oh, well, I'm going to go make this money somewhere else, you know, because that could have been very easy to do. Um, that's what I want to be more remembered as, you know. Obviously, you know, I want to win a championship and things like that, but I think personally as a player, you know, I never – I guess gave up on here, you know. I'm kind of that been that type of person in my life, though. You know, just when I'm with you, I'm in, all in, you know. So um, I was all in here when I came here. You know, I never wavered from it at all, you know. And I was faced with the biggest temptations <laughs> of them all, you know. But I decided, you know, to stay here. That's what I said when I came in here, and I never flinched from it at all, you know. No matter what happened. How tempting were some of those offers at big schools in the off season? I can't imagine what that was like to have to make that kind of a decision. This error, you know, you got, you know, poaching is big. Um, just the whole business of basketball is turning more into a business. And um, I just think that, you know, with the things that was coming, it's just very easy for someone that's like, I guess, not in, I guess the normal person, I'll say, to just, you know, look at it from that perspective and be like, well, why shouldn't I do that, you know? but. Um, I think if you really remember your goals, remember what you really set out to do, remember what you really, you know, you said your plan really was, and you stick to those things, you won't waver from it, you know. But, um, you know, I'll be lying if I say it wasn't like, it wasn't a thing, though. Obviously it is, but um, I just think it does depends on who you are and what your makeup is, you know. That's just what, I'm, what I've been about. Dylan Jones. Sitting down with uh, Jeremiah Jensen. You can see that, thing, that, uh, that interview in full on uh... – on KSL Sports Live on Sunday night. You guys going to run it on Sunday? Is that when it's going to be? Saturday at 6 and Saturday Sunday at, six. at 1045. You can, Saturday at 6, 1045 Saturday. You Sorry. can see it Put and it not just me. hear it. All right. Which is always enjoyable. You, you've been tooting this guy's horn all year, and it was yeah. like everybody's got to see how good this cat is. And he may – when you have a player like him 
when you go to the Big Sky championships and you've got a guy on your team who's better than everybody else maybe in the conference, do you have a shot? Yeah. If you have the best player in a three-game tournament, essentially, <laughs> you're betting on the team with the best player. And, and Weber State right has the best player. Yeah. Look, Eastern Washington's really good. Uh, there's there's some good teams in that in that conference, but if you're looking at that situation, you're like, okay, what team am I going to bet on here? Who has the best player? And the best player is Dylan Jones, and that's why I think Weber State has a great chance to make it to the NCAA tournament this year. And if that's the case, and if Utah can finish strong, think about four men's teams in the mm. NCAA tournament this year. Very possible. And uh, how cool would it be to see Dylan Jones, who's one of the best players in the country, to get that opportunity to play on the biggest stage in the NCAA tournament. How many great players have we seen over the years just to get that chance to expose themselves to the country and take advantage of that opportunity? He's one of those guys, if you're looking at the tournament, who's that wild card player out there that's on a, on a mid-major that could make a splash in March. He's that guy. Would you say Would you say there were chances were? There were great chances. Would you say there were great, great, great chances? I think they're going to win Starch Madness. Look at that. All right. I didn't say March Madness. I said Starch Madness. That's uh, that's up in Boise, right? Big Sky yeah. Tournaments in Boise. All right. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. If you missed any of that, you can go back and listen on the podcast, any of the shows, all day long. Uh, all of all of the tabs on the on, uh, on KSLSports.com, you can go look there. You can see all the shows. Just click on the podcast tab, and you can see uh, and find the show uh, by hour, by guest, all of it right there. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got more to go right around the corner, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Accessing. When TV and radio collide. Love it. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. All right, welcome back. It is 97.5 EKSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen, JJ and Alex. Uh, let me see here. Is this what? Oh, they're showing the, they're playing the hits. Uh, they're showing Rick Patino right now up on the screen having his, uh, he's, he, we talked about this earlier in the week, but they just, I guess they showed it on, on, uh, SportsCenter. And it's a little bit of a, like, kind of the worst moments of the week. The fan, the Mavericks fan, the other, was it last night? Yeah, it was last night. Uh, calling uh, KD a cuss, a swear, JJ? Yeah, and then asking him if he wants to be on his podcast. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, classic. What classic. a tool. Can I say that on radio? Checking. It's already passed. <laughs> Let's move on. It's already passed the. Uh, it's already passed the dump button stage. We're good. We're okay. good. Now I know. I'm learning a lot of radio things here. I mean, that's you, probably not. Uh, have you ever said it on TV? Um, <laughs> Could you imagine? You're, you're all let buttoned me, let up me on try TV it out this weekend. You're all buttoned up on TV. Got a guest on. Now some people would say Rick Petito is what we call a tool, but. <laughs> What do you think? St. Right. John's head tool, Rick Patino. <laughs> so this is a guy who have opportunities to go free this like is a that guy, on This is TV. a guy who called out his student athletes this week. Yeah. What did he say they were? 
Uh, they're ungrateful. They are lazy. They aren't working on anything in particular because it took them all year to for him to get them to to, to make bounce passes. And that, isn't that what he said? And then he, he threw said, them under the bus, saying, "This is just who we had when we got here. Right? And this then, is all and I can't do. I can't do anything right? about it. I can't and change my roster. This is the most unenjoyable year he's ever had. Yeah, in coaching." Even more unenjoyable than the years that you were uh, caught cheating, or the ones where you weren't making three million dollars a year. He got caught to cheating, and he got kids. caught cheating. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, the old double. Uh, you know what though? I guess they responded by going out and winning because that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. So I guess they weren't too offended. All right. Well, bottom line is, good job, Rick Pitino. Uh, he's the kind of guy on a Friday that just makes you go, oof. Yeah. See? Uh, by the way, coming up next hour, we have uh, at least some updated bracketology from across the country. You can see where Utah, BYU, and Utah State all stand. And it's a big weekend, of course, for these uh, all these programs. Utah basically can't afford to lose any more games. Is that where we're at? Utah's in trouble. They got to win. They got to figure this thing out. And they don't have they don't have opportunities against tournament teams because the Pac-12 is so down. And they have to kind of make a little bit of a run in the Pac-12 tournament. Also, I agree with that. Yes. So all of those things have to come into place. Win, 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 no matter what. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll roll out what some of these brackets uh, brackets are saying. We'll look at the bra- bracket matrix and also look at the uh, we'll look at Lunardi, who's uh, JJ's favorite, and uh, Jerry Palm, who's my favorite. So we have our crushes when it comes to brackets, okay? That's weird. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. We've got more to go around the corner. Plus, uh, Salt Lake still moving forward with the possibility of what a stadium would look like. You just saw the, an update this afternoon coming in from uh, – I just got a news report about, you know, now the legislature is looking at it and saying, what do we want to spend on a stadium downtown? We'll tell you what that number is right here, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone.